Well, this, uh, this summer, I'm going to, to uh, be talking to you about the idea of identity. Um, we live in a world and in a society um, where identity is something that we seem to be struggling with right now. And so as we begin our summer jump series, we're going to be talking about identity. You know, before we are able to really live in the blessings of God, we need to know who we are. If we don't know who we are, then we're just constantly flailing and looking and searching and hoping and, and, and just wondering. But, but there's something powerful that happens when we really know who we are in Christ. And so over the next several weeks, I'm going to be talking to you about various uh, aspects of this idea of identity. Who are we in Christ? And uh, how can we develop those things in us that need to uh, that that are needed to take us to a place of victory. So if you don't mind, just pause with me for a moment and let's pray. Let's direct our thoughts toward the scripture today and believe that God is going to speak to us very clearly. Father, thank you for your word and for the opportunity that I have today to represent your word to your people. I'm I'm thankful that you've called me. I, I'm grateful that you have anointed me to be able to speak on your behalf. It's a great responsibility, or at least I take it that way. I feel like that when I speak on your behalf, I need to try to speak as truthfully and as close to Scripture as I possibly can. So over the next few weeks, Lord, I pray that you'll help me not to bend to the uh, popular trends of society and uh, but instead, let's just focus our minds, Father, upon what you've said about who we are. Give me the words that I need to speak today that will bless your people, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And if you're ready, look to your neighbor and say, I am ready. How about you? On March the 11th, 1830, a 10-year-old girl in England began her daily studies with her tutor. The lesson for the day was the succession to the royal throne. As she studied the genealogical charts, she discovered for the very first time that she was next in line to the throne. Victoria's first response was to break down and weep. But when she dried her tears, she said to her tutor, I will be good. Don't you wish Jane would say something like that? <laughs> I will be good. Seven years later, Victoria inherited the throne. And throughout her life, she lived up to her promise because she knew what her destiny was. And because she knew what her destiny was, all of the other adjustments in life aligned with her destiny, what she had been called to do. She made a choice to accept her identity. It was very easy for her because she was a part of a system that naturally tended to bring people along with their identity. But we have a lot of people in the world today that they struggle with their identity. You hear it in the news all the time. Identity, gender identity, sexual identity, whatever it is. In fact, recently I observed a comic strip posted on Facebook. Better put your seatbelt on for just a second if it was on Facebook. It depicted a doctor delivering a baby 
And when the parents asked the gender of the child, the doctor responded by saying, we don't know, the baby hasn't decided yet. Okay, all right. Well, that's the kind of world that we live in today. That's the kind of decisions that parents are allowing children to determine for themselves. They cannot determine truth and fact because we live in a world there where there, there no longer are any absolutes. Now, when I was a kid growing up, when a child was born, we immediately knew what that child was. But in our world today, we struggle with trying to put our finger on this identity issue. So over for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about identity. We're going to talk about what it means to be who we are in Christ. Now, I'm just going to tell you that this is, this is the guidebook that we're going to use. Uh, we're, not, we're not going to look it up on Google, and, and, and we're not going to try and see what Dr. Spock has to say and some of the others. We're, we're going to look at the book because this is the only thing that I have to be able to determine absolute truth for my life. And so we have to determine truth from the Word of God. So we're going to look at it. Now today, for some of you, this will be very elementary, but it's important for us to understand the fact that for us to really find out who we are, we have to first come to this place. It's called new birth. We have to be born again. We have to understand that we leave one world in order to step in to a new world. Because unless we do that, then we will never be able to fully experience the blessings that God has for us. David said in Psalm chapter 51 verse 5, he said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now here's the first thing that we need to understand about new birth. It is true that God created mankind in his image. But when sin came into the world, something shifted. Because after Adam and Eve, who were supernaturally created by God, their DNA was different than ours because they were created by God. Every human that was born from Adam's line is described as the generations of Adam. In fact, if you'll look at Genesis chapter 5, it records these words, the book of the generations of Adam. So you and I, because we were born from a human bloodline, we are made in the image of Adam. We have sin in our bloodline. We are sinners when we are born. And therefore, we have to have something that will take us out of that world and place us in another world, which, and that thing is the new birth. The good news is, is that though Genesis 5 records the book of the generations of Adam, Matthew chapter 1 opens with these words, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. 
So the Old Testament was all about living in the bloodline of Adam and looking to a day when we would find new birth in, in another realm. And the New Testament is about that new realm where Jesus Christ came into the world. And because of what Jesus Christ did at Calvary, we have the opportunity now to step out of the Adam lineage and into the lineage of Jesus Christ. So we are in the image of, of Adam until we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 45 and 46 says, Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam, who is the last Adam? Do you know? Jesus Christ. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Aren't you glad for that? But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural that is first, and then the spiritual. In other words, when you were born, you were born naturally. You were born of water. You were born of man. But the spiritual comes next. If all you ever do is live in the natural, then you're only going to live in what the natural can provide you. But thank God, because of Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to transition from the natural into the spiritual. And when the spiritual comes, even though we may be walking in the natural in this body, we do so with the supernatural spirit of God that has been implanted within us. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. So this very first step is one that is necessary. Now listen, we don't like to think about the fact that our children are born into sin. You know, I'm sure that when I was born, everybody in the room said, that is the cutest baby that's ever been born ever in history. Look, look at that kid. Look at, how, look at how good looking he is. Strong, ripped. It looks like he's been in the gym for days and days. Look at this kid. And while there's no question that I was cute and loving and, and all of those things, and, I, and I, was, I was born at much, much better than my, my sisters were. There, there's just no question about that at all. You know what? I was a sinner. I was born into sin. And we're not going to get into the state of babies and children and what happens when they, they die prematurely. God's got all that handled today. Don't worry about that. There, there, there is an age of accountability, but it's our job as parents to teach them and train them and raise them up and build them up so that when they come to that place where they are adults and they can think for themselves, they will say, I need to step out of this natural world and into a spiritual world so that I can experience the fullness of God's blessings in my life. So the first thing is, is that we have to enter the family of God. That, that's point one. We have to enter the family of God. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17 says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him and said, truly, truly, I say to you, 
unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And I'm sure some of you women are saying, absolutely not. Not in a million years. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water, a natural birth, and of the spirit, a spiritual birth, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which born is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but what you do not receive, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe them, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So we have to be born again. If we're not born again, we'll simply live out our lives in this natural realm and we'll only experience what nature can provide for us. But thank God, because of Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to move into a new realm of living, the realm of the Spirit through Jesus Christ. Now, there are two required elements for new birth. The first is we have to have the Spirit of God. It has to be done by God's Spirit. John chapter 3, verse 5 says, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water, the natural birth, and the spirit, the spiritual birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God because that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So new birth is, is the initiation or the releasing of the spirit of God that is in us. The scripture teaches that when you were born, God equipped you with a measure of faith. Every one of you has a measure of faith in you from the time that you were conceived in your mother's womb. God said, I'm going to give them a heart. I'm going to give them a liver. I'm going to give them hands, feet, and knees. I'm going to give them eyes and a nose. Those are natural gifts, natural part body parts. But with the natural, I'm going to put within them a seed of faith that will be constantly drawn 
drawing them to God the Father. Because God's primary goal in this world is not to give you houses and land and gold-plated Cadillacs, but is to reconnect you with the Spirit of God because when sin came into the world, there was a separation. Thank God, through Jesus Christ, we have that opportunity by his Spirit. So the Spirit of God is necessary, and then the Word of God is necessary. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. Through what? The living and abiding word of God. Now, that, that's not talking about this book. This book came later. When that was spoken and read, this book was not in existence yet, in existence except for some of the Old Testament texts. But what he was saying is, is that when God the Father, through the authority of, Je of Jesus Christ in his shed blood, when God speaks something, it is a living and active word. It cannot become against by the evil of this world. When God establishes a thing, it is established. And so when God says, you are born again, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter what anyone else's opinion is. The only thing that matters is what God has established through the authority of his word. When God says you're healed, I don't care what the doctors say. God says you're healed, you're healed. God says you're saved, you're saved. If God says you're blessed, you're blessed. If God says you fill in the blank, then it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. The only thing that matters is the established living word of God. Amen. Give him some praise for his word today. So we got to have the spirit. We've got to have the word. Now, there are three things that will never get you born again. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who did believe in his name, he gave the right to become the sons of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So he's talking to those who have already made the, the commitment to come to Christ and live in fellowship with Christ. But he's saying, you didn't do it this way. You did it through God, through his pathway. He said, you didn't do it through the blood uh, through, or, or through your bloodline. He, you didn't do it through the will of your flesh. He, you did not do it through the will of some other man. You got born again through God's precious gift of grace through Jesus Christ. So your family connection cannot get you saved. My dad was a church of God preacher for over 50 years. He knew some of the VIPs, if there is such a thing in the church of God. He could walk up to people and shake their hands. My mama used to make homemade chocolate chip cookies for Jensen Franklin. 
he'd stay in the bedroom at the church they pastored when he was beginning his ministry and evangelizing. And she'd go and find Jensen in the bedroom praying and she'd knock on the door and say, it's time to eat, Brother Franklin. He'd say, I'm not hungry today. And then a few seconds later, he'd yell back, except I would have some of those chocolate chip cookies if there's any left. My mom and dad been church of God uh, for, for years. But before that, before they were church of God, they were, they were godly people. They were Jesus people. They, they loved the Lord. But their love for Jesus was not sufficient for me. I had to find my own pathway to the Lord and get saved. My sister had to do it. And my other sister, we're still praying for her, bless her heart. She and her husband have been in ministry for years too, and I'm not sure she's saved. I'm just kidding. We're talking about Janice now, not you. Your family can't get you saved. Your bloodline means nothing to God. There's only one bloodline that matters to him, and it is the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Your self-imposed religious acts won't get you saved. I don't care how many times you come to church. I don't care how much tithe you pay. I don't care how many times that you take communion. If you don't accept Jesus Christ into your life, you are not saved. There are people who will sit on church pews all of their lives who will one day hear the Lord say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. I don't want that to be said about me. I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. Now enter into the treasures and the blessings that I have in store for you. Your self-imposed religion won't get you saved and nobody can buy you out of hell once you get there. I don't care how much money is paid to the church after you're gone, it will not get you out of wherever it is that you went, amen. There's only one way to get saved and it is through Jesus Christ. New birth involves grace. Ephesians chapter two verses one through 10 says, and you were dead, say I was dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ for by grace you were saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that anyone could boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that she, we should walk in them. 
Aren't you glad for grace today? You didn't deserve to be saved. I didn't deserve to be saved. I never did one thing in my life that would qualify me for salvation. But thank God, it was the grace of Jesus Christ that allowed me to accept him in and to be saved. Amen. You say, well, how can I know? Well, when you were born in the natural state, in the hospital that you were born, they gave you a birth certificate. Well, they didn't give it to you. You wouldn't have known what to do with it. But they gave your parents a birth certificate. And on that birth certificate, it has all the information that they knew about you at the time. How, how many inches long you were. They got little imprints of your feet. Aren't they cute? I wish my feet were still that cute. But they're not. Even after my wife made me go get a pedicure here not long ago. She said she would not be seen in public with me, my feet looking like they did. They scrubbed and they pulled and they twisted and they cut and I bled and I cried like a little baby. And when I got home, my feet looked as bad as they did before I went. And she'll agree with that. But they smelled like lilac, amen. They give you a birth certificate that's got your name and that, the, the time of the day, the date that you were born, who your parents were and all that information. They gave you a birth certificate. Well, I want to share with you today that God has given you a birth certificate so that you can know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I'm saved so that when you go home tonight and you lay your head on your pillow, you don't have to wonder whether or not you're going to make it to heaven because God has already ordained it and declared it when you received him into your life. We have the witness of God's word. 1 John 5, 9 through 12 says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he who has born, that, that he has born concerning his son, whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. It's in you. And whoever does not believe God has made God a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. And then Romans chapter eight, verses 16 through 17 says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let me tell you, the devil will come to you frequently and say, oh, you're not really saved. If you were saved, you wouldn't have said that word. If, if you were saved, you wouldn't have thought that thought. If you were saved, you, you wouldn't have participated in that thing. Listen, you can be saved and still working on your sanctification. I, I was raised in the old church that when you were saved, you never thought another bad thought. You never did another bad thing. You never said another bad thing. Everything was perfect from the moment that you got saved. But their theology did not match my reality. 
because I was saved, but every now and then I started, still got a little bit upset with people and wanted to punch them right between the eyes and, 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 and then knock them down. And, and, and there were times that I wanted to do other things and involve myself. I was saved. I'd been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, but I was still working on my sanctification. I don't know. I've been, I've been sanctified 1,278,693 times since the time that I got saved. Because every time I went to get the Holy Ghost and came up a little dab short, there was some little old lady patting me on the back saying, it's okay, you got sanctified. And I put another notch on my belt. I've been sanctified again. Listen. I, I, I appreciate their concern for my soul, but their theology did not match the, the reality. I'm still not a perfect being. I still make mistakes. I still fall short of the glory of God. I can still relate to the apostle Paul when he said, the things that I would do, I don't do. And the things that I would not are the things that I do. I can relate. I can relate. I can relate. But that does not change the fact that I've been sick by the promise of God. My name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And if I die today, or if Jesus comes back today, I'm convinced that I will spend eternity with him. Why? Because I have the witness, the certificate of the word of God, the authority of God who has, who has proclaimed me his child and by the spirit that is in me. I've got the birth certificate. I can prove it. Amen. So we have to enter into the family of God. Father, right now, I'm not done preaching yet, so don't anybody get comfortable, but I'm going to pray for you. Father, right now, I believe in my heart that there may be men and women in this house that they have debated this relationship for a long time. They have felt drawn. They have felt like they needed to give their lives to you, but they've not yet done that. Lord, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would wrap your arms of love around them and draw them close to you so that it would be easy for them to say, Father, I believe what your word teaches. I believe that you gave your only begotten son that whoever, and that includes me, would believe on him should have eternal life. You did not come to this world to condemn me, Father, but you came to give me life. The enemy of my soul, the devil, Satan, came to kill, from, kill me and to steal from me and to destroy from me. But thank you, Jesus, that you came to give me life and you came to give it to me more abundantly than I've ever had before. And right now, through the name of Jesus Christ, I receive you into my life. Save me from my sins uh, and get me started on the right path today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Let me tell you something about new birth. You don't have to throw yourself in the floor somewhere. You don't have to wait till the end of a David Crowder's uh, concert to go up front and give your life to Christ. 
You don't have to watch Joel Osteen and wait till he's done and he can look into that camera and say, if you'll pray this little prayer, you don't have to wait for that. You don't have to wait for the pastor to call you up front. You don't have to have somebody lay their hands on you and spit all over you in the good old fashioned way. All you have to do is say, God, I don't, I can't understand it, but there's just something in me that believes that what this book says is true. And right now, I'm gonna take a step of faith and by faith, I'm gonna ask you to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and come into my heart and make me one of your children. And that's all it takes. And when you make that decision, it'll be the best decision you've ever made in your life. It will change your standing. It will change your status. It will change your life. When you start walking with Christ, things will be different than they were before. The scripture says old things pass away. Behold, all things become new when Jesus Christ comes into your life. Aren't you thankful for that today? Give him praise in the house. So we can come into the family of God. Have we settled that? We can be born into the family of God. And I know for some of you right now, it's like, yeah, that's the part I don't like. I hate Terrence. I don't like church people, full of bunch of hypocrites, preacher preaches too long. I don't like church. Listen, you know why you don't like church? It's because you have this mindset that the church has been established to make you happy. And the church was not established to make you happy. And if you're looking for a church that will make you happy, you ain't never going to find one. Because any church you ever go to, there are going to be some things about that church that you won't like. That's the reason that when we select a church to express the ministry of Christ that is in us, then God leads us to that place. I was so grateful to hear Brett testify today about the church that they have found in Indianapolis. I already knew they were happy because they've been posting good things on Facebook about it. Love my church. Excited to go to my church today. Can't wait to get to church today. Oh, church was good today. Enjoyed the message today. Loved it. But he told me, he said, we took our time. We waited. We didn't just go into the first place that we could find. We just didn't go to the first church that that we we thought that we might like or whatever, but we took our time. We we visited a few places. We we got our minds wrapped around prayer and God, where do you want us to be? And, And how can you use us in the body of Christ? How's that going to happen? And and when they finally found the place where they felt that peace of God that passes all understanding, they they got involved in in the family of God and started enjoying the benefits of the body of Christ. And the good news is, is that though they are expressing locally in Indianapolis now, they are still part of the church that exists in Louisville, Kentucky because our spirits are mended together through Jesus Christ and through the Spirit of God. The church is global, but the church is also local. 
And we express who we are in Christ through the local church. So what does it mean to enjoy the family of God? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes in the uncertainty of the riches, but put their hope on God, listen now, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Woo! To, to what? He richly blesses us with how much? Everything to do what? To enjoy. You know, some of us just need to slap ourselves three times and say, I don't know why I got into this whole negative mindset. I don't know why that I got a doubting Dan spirit on me. I don't know why this, this is not me. This is not how I live my life. God has blessed me so extravagantly. He has blessed me so wonderfully. I'm going to enjoy my life and the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. Some of you need to get up in the morning instead of saying, oh, me it's morning, you ought to start saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. I am going to choose today to rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because this is the day that Jesus was established as the chief cornerstone of the church. He is the one who's lining everything up. He is the one who is holding everything together. And as I live my life today, I'm living with the knowledge that Jesus Christ Christ is the one that's making my life be as it should. Amen. Enjoy it. Enjoy the things of God. Now I've given you, I've given you, I'm getting ready to give you six words that start with the letter F. Now I practiced that line right there. If you think about it, you'll know I practiced that I would say that properly. Anytime that you're dealing with words that start with the letter F, you have to be very careful. So I practice. But there are six things that start with the letter F that I want to point you to that comes your way when you are now in the family of God. The first one is freedom. Freedom. Romans 8, 12 through 17 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Did you hear that? All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen. We have been adopted into the family of God. And there's a difference between natural adoption and spiritual adoption. Most natural adoptions happen when a child is very young, even an infant or a toddler or or a middle schooler. Adoptions don't have, they're very rare when they happen much later than that. We adopt little children. 
But the scripture tells us that when we are adopted into the family of God, we don't come in sucking our thumb. We don't come in saying, well, I, I can only have a little bit of milk. I, I, I got to have a little bit of uh, milk in my grits and my oatmeal, and I, and, and I can't even really talk. I just need to sit here and suck my thumb for a little bit because I'm just a baby in Christ. No, when you're adopted into the family of God, you are brought in as an adult adopted member of the family of God and can immediately start walking in the fullness of the Spirit of God that is in you. You don't have to say, oh, I don't know if I can do that or not. I don't know if I can lead somebody else to Christ. I don't know if I can sing in the choir. I don't know if I can do those things. Well, if you don't know if you can do it, it's because you're bound by that spirit of slavery that the scripture talks about. But listen, God didn't put me into slavery. He didn't bind me up and set me off to the side. He didn't put spiritual chains around me and bind my feet up. No, the scripture says he set me free from that. I was born a slave to the bloodline of Adam, but when I came to Christ, he set me free. He set me free. Thank God I am free from the bondage of slavery. I'm alive in Christ. And then there's the food. How many of you knew that this week was National Donut Day? I see your hands. How many of you participated? Oh, praise God for Donut Day. You'll be proud to know that I did not have a single donut on Donut Day. Not one. Fried chicken, yes, but no one, no donut. No, I'm just kidding. You see, the family is about getting together for food. You know, our kids are adults now. But when they come over, they want to know what we're having for eating for food. When, when, when Benjamin comes into our house, first thing he does is go over to the pantry and opens those doors. Starts praying in the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, my mommy and daddy, they don't buy junk food. And we said, the only reason we do is so that when you come over here, you can have some. And then Jovi will come in and she'll open the door and she'll look in there and she'll say, oh, Papa, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. She'll say, lift me up so I can see. And I lift her up and I hold her in my arms. She starts taking an assessment of what's in there. Oh, I like those, and I like those, and I can I have some of those? And just, Pops, just get them all down. You know, I'm hungry. And now Harper, bless her heart, she comes and she just opens the refrigerator. She stands there. Harper's a little bit of a bruiser. I don't know if you know that or not. She's kind of stocky. She just kind of throws her weight around. You don't mess with Harper unless you're in the mood to really mess with somebody. She just comes in and she opens up the refrigerator and she puts her hand down in her diaper like this. She starts looking. She said, num, 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 pops, num, num. She can't say pops, but she calls me, 
num, 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 num. And then she'll start picking things out. She'll open the little drawers out and reach down in there and look at it. If she wants it, she'll get it out. If she doesn't want it, she'll put it back in there and keep looking. It's all about the num, num. You know what I'm saying? It's all about the num, num. It's about the food. It's about what can we eat? Can I tell you that when you come into the family of God, he's got plenty for you to eat. He wants you to be nourished, not malnourished. The scripture, Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16, tells us that he provides the necessary nourishment for us. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 says that his word is the bread of life. He is the bread of life. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says that there is milk to be had in the refrigerator of the family of God. Hebrews chapter 5 says when you grow up and mature that there's plenty of meat on the table of the Lord. And in Psalm chapter 119, it talks about how sweet the honeycomb is and how it's, it's sweeter than anything that we can have. Listen, God wants to grow you up. He wants you to have the nourishment that you need. He doesn't want you to be some little uh, shriveled up Christian child of God. And every time the devil comes and talks to you, you get all shriveled up because you're not nourished. No, he wants to nourish you and allow you to grow up and have the strength that you need and he provides it for you. And then there's the family fortune that talks about provision. First Peter chapter, excuse me, Ephesians chapter two, verse seven says that he is the riches of his grace. First Peter chapter five, verse 10 says he is the God of all grace. How much grace? Every bit of it. In, in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, it says the Bible is his word of grace. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29 says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says we have access to the throne of grace and we can go there anytime we want to. We don't have to beg our way in. We don't have to say, could you send a message to Jesus? And if it's, this is not a good time, then I can come back another time. I, you know, it's me again, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I hate that song with a passion. Have you ever heard? It's me again, Lord. I got a prayer that needs an answer. It's me again, Lord. How many of you ever heard it? How many of you have ever sung it? Good for you. It just rubs me the wrong way. The scripture says, you don't have to go, it's me again, Jesus. I know that I've been a pain in your neck lately, and I know that I've been this and that. And, and that. No, the scripture says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace so that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help when in the time of need. I don't have to wait till Sunday morning. I don't have to wait till Wednesday. I don't have to wait till some preacher shows up on TBN. I have the full authority because of the blood of Jesus Christ to come boldly into where he is and present my need to him. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Praise the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, I know some of you are thinking, ah, that's all spiritual stuff. It's all spiritual stuff. I need him to pay my light bill. 
ain't got no money for groceries this week. I need something tangible I can hold in my hand and put in my, put in my mouth. I get it. We live in a world, <clears throat> we have to pay our bills. But did you know what this Bible teaches us? That when we pay our tithes and when we give to others who are in need, then my bill becomes his bill. And he shall supply my needs. You say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, just hold on just a second. Because Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 says, And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Paul said, my God will do that for you. You say, yeah, well, I don't know if my God can. Well, if you're serving the same God I'm serving, then I've come by to give you some good news today. If you'll just go according to this book and do what he tells you to do with your money, then all the rest of it becomes his responsibility. He said, bring all of your tithe into the storehouse and prove me in this thing and see if I will not pour out a blessing upon you that you will not be able to contain. All right, that's enough. Some of you are squirming like crazy. Come into the family of God and we can get fellowship. That's relationships. That's what that is. The scripture tells us we can pray together. Tells us we can be on mission together. Tells us we can love one another. Tells us we should submit to one another. Tells us we can encourage one another. Tells us to care for one another. Tells us to forgive one another. Yeah, well, they started it. Well, why don't you just be the big man? Why don't you just be the big woman? Oh, wait, wait, I can't say it like that. Why don't you... Take the higher road if you're a woman. Let me say it that way. I learned a long time ago, you don't ever say big and woman in the same sentence. It's a bad thing to do. Why don't you just rise above? Why don't, why don't you take the high road and forgive when forgiveness needs to be extended? It's a fellowship. And then not only that, we get, we get the family fashion. Did you ever notice that families tend to dress alike? Now, Paul and I, we dressed alike today. Come here, Paul. You like my shirt? Pretty nice logo there. That's a good church right there. You ought to check it out sometime. Look at here. Great minds think alike. Good deal. I try to get a haircut like yours too, but they didn't take it quite that short. We, our fashion is the same. Thank you, sir. We, we, we start putting on the same things. Now, I'm not talking about clothes. I got that when I was a kid too. And you can't wear them shorts now. You wear them shorts, you go straight into hell. Trust me, you will. Can't wear shorts. You can't put on no bathing suit. You put on a bathing suit, it'll show things ought not be seen. I agree with that. I really do. I agree with that. But we're not talking about clothes. We're not talking about what you get off of the rack at TJ Maxx. 
We're talking about things like grace, we put it on. We're talking about love, we put it on. We're talking about praise, take off the, the spirit of heaviness and put on a garment of praise and armor for our spiritual warfare. I'm ready to quit. You ready for me to quit? Well, I'm going to quit anyway. You know, one of the great things about being a part of the family of God is that we have an eternal future that God is right now preparing for each and every one of us. You know, it hasn't been apropos of late to speak of heaven or to speak of hell. How many of you know that there is an eternity When you were conceived in your mother's womb, eternity started for you. You're always going to live. You're always going to live somewhere. Those who have not been born again are going to spend eternity in hell. And you can keep that in the DVD if you want to. I don't say that harshly. In fact, I do everything I could to prevent that from happening. But the reality is that this has never been edited out of the Holy Script. If we're not born again, we will not make it to heaven. But if we are born again, then we don't have to spend not 30 more seconds worrying about hell. I don't worry about hell. I'm not even concerned about it. I know it's a place. I know that God prepared it for those who reject Jesus Christ. I understand that. I know that it's real. I don't worry about it. Because if I'm in relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not going there. I've already been promised a place where he is. I'm going to spend my eternity in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what scripture says. John chapter 14 verses 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Not not a cabin in the corner of glory land. I know we like to shout about that. Many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. You say, well, what about those who have already died? What about them? Well, what about them? First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 says, well, we don't want you to be uninformed or ignorant, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not go in front of those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise 
first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with him. And he says, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Encourage one another with these